0: Welcome to Extra Point, a podcast from USA Today Sports, where we explore issues beyond the field of play. I'm Rachel Axon, your host for this episode, and today we'll be discussing the death of former New Orleans Saints defensive end Will Smith and remarks from Coach Sean Payton about gun control. Smith was shot in his back and his torso four times at the scene of a traffic accident, allegedly by another driver in New Orleans on Saturday night. Smith, who was 34, died at the scene, and his wife Raquel suffered a gunshot wound to her leg that is not life-threatening. New Orleans police arrested Cardell Hayes and charged him with second-degree murder. To discuss all this, I'm joined by USA Today Sports NFL columnist Jarrett Bell, who spoke with Sean Payton and has been covering the story. Jarrett, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Rachel. First of all, Jarrett, what do we know about the events that led to Will Smith's murder on Saturday?
1: It all stemmed from a traffic incident, a traffic accident, and maybe multiple accidents if you Mm -hmm. will Um, the man who was arrested on on second degree murder charges, L. Hayes uh, actually called 911 as he was in pursuit of a vehicle that he reported according to his attorney that a, a vehicle rear ended him and he was chasing this vehicle to get information, a license plate or whatever, whatever and when he encountered Smith um, he rear-ended Smith and so stop the scene right there Will Smith leaves his vehicle gets out words were exchanged and Will Smith ends up getting shot dead at the scene Rachel there are a lot of questions that still have to be flushed out, obviously, with the investigation and with as more information becomes uncovered. But Smith was shot in the torso and in the back. In fact, three bullets to the back, from what I'm told, which would seem to indicate that whatever exchange he had with Hayes had ended to the point that he was walking away. Hayes stayed on the scene. That might suggest that he will argue that he was acting in self-defense. I don't know that, but uh, those are some of the things that we'll find out more about. Those are some of the questions. But um, the the fact that there was at least uh, another vehicle involved besides Hayes's, and if it was Smith that originally rear-ended him, I do not know that. If it was another vehicle, there was also another vehicle that, uh, included some of Smith's friends who were at a dinner party with him as well. So um, it will be interesting to find out how that vehicle is involved in all of this. But just a tragic chain of events.
0: Sure. And it sounds like from everything you're describing, you know, there there will be witnesses to this, uh, both in Will Smith's wife, Raquel, who herself was shot. I believe there was a passenger in Cardell Hayes's vehicle. And then also, the, you know, as you mentioned, the Smith's friends who were in the vehicle ahead of him that once he was rear ended, he, I think, collided with. So hopefully that should you know, flesh out some more of the, the details there. Um, you spoke with Sean Payton and he had some strong words about guns and gun control. What did he tell you?
1: Well, basically, uh, you know, Sean Payton uh, told me that he has always been anti-gun. So this is not a situation that suddenly turned on a light switch for him right. or made him change his mind from the time he was a, you know, a young boy, he has just never been one. And he was raised that way. His father was an insurance uh, adjuster. And and so his philosophy has always been um, th- not to engage in, in guns. And But he thinks that this could be a, the type of a wake up call that will Put pressure on people to change some laws and so it's very rare Rachel for coaches to to kind of step out of the typical Mm -hmm. NFL coach speak and talk about you know broader societal issues because there are so many sensitivities there and they have only so much expertise but Sean Payton I've I've known him for quite a while and I've, and he is a passionate guy. He's always been passionate, but I've never, um, heard him as passionate and as emotional as he was today. I talked to him for a half hour and he really just kind of, you know, let it out. But I think his bottom line thought to this, and, and let me just say this too, Rachel, um, he's definitely concerned about, you know smith's family and his kids and and those sorts of things but as he kind of processed this it kind of got back to him to the to the to to really hit home with him that i need to say something about this situation and you know the, the one of the things that he said to me he says hey i'm trying to think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to address it and so on and so forth and and he said that he just felt compelled that he had to address this issue now the other thing that he said that was interesting and he's been there now for 10 years in New Orleans and remember when he was hired it was after Katrina and the Saints were you know hand in hand with everybody else in the city in terms of trying to rebuild the, the, um, the region and he said that the the crime situation in New Orleans is as bad as he's ever seen it in his 10 years. And if you remember Katrina, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of um, Looting the and- stuff going on. Yeah. And, and kind of that whole situation was a, a powder keg for other reasons. Um, but Peyton said that one of the um, storylines that has been ongoing in New Orleans has been about the police department, which has been, not only overhauled and has had its share of, you know, corruption issues, but is also undermanned and underfunded. And he says that um, that has really become such a problem that he described it as the wild, wild west. Oh, and wow. you, you talk about some of the gun violence that has gone on, not only in New Orleans, but in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it, it's interesting, too, Rachel, because we can look at some of the problems in urban America and it, it, and yeah, they have definite problems in certain ways for certain reasons, but when we think about all the gun violence in this country um, that and all of the incidents that have happened at, you know, so many different types of places, from mm-hmm. schools to suburban communities to the inner cities, um, I think that's kind of the spirit that Peyton wanted to express to me is that he thinks it's time for this country to kind of change its laws and you know he spent some time in England um, about 30 years ago when he was you know finishing up his 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 playing career brief playing career they had a British football league and he played there and one of the anecdotes that he shared with me was that um, you know there, there were you know, England, Great Britain, I mean, they kinda operate without guns being part of the society and he just really wishes that um not just because of this one incident, but just because of the gun violence in our country, that um there really is a movement that would kinda change the laws, toughen the gun policies.
0: Sure. I, I want to go back to a couple of things that you mentioned there, uh, you know, that it's unusual. One of those things being that it's unusual for NFL coaches to come out on political issues because, you know, one, they are trying to appeal to a universal audience and they don't mm-hmm. always have the depth of knowledge that they would like. So I'm wondering uh, how you were you surprised to see him speak so forcefully on something that, you know, in this country can be very polarizing.
1: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I was very surprised by that. I'm not surprised that that Sean would be honest or upfront and, you know, kind of tell it as he sees it. But the depth of his um, conversation about it was was really revealing that this was something that that really, really has bugged him and not only just bugged him. Now, But has bugged him for a long time. And so when he kind of talked me through his personal history in terms of things he has um, uh, thought about over the years, and and he mentioned New York City and the tough gun policies in that city as being you know, the type of example he'd like to see in other places. So, like I said, he had a lot of different layers that he kind of uncovered in talking about this. But, yes, um, just to get back to your original point about coaches um, speaking out on political issues, I, I was trying to think, well, when's the last coach come out and said something? I, I almost think I have to go back to Tony Dungy, and there were some – you know, some issues, um, societal issues it, when he was coach to the Indianapolis Coast that he would speak out a, about. But I don't even think that that was um, to the degree that, that Sean, um, you know, really kind of revealed his thoughts about this.
0: It, it seems like he has a sense from what you're saying of the, the power that comes with that, you know, that if a high profile person like Will Smith dies if an NFL coach like him talks about it that maybe there's some tangible effect. Do you do you feel like he had that sense of, you know, like I almost have a responsibility here to do something because I'm in the position to?
1: I I think so because the the one thing that he said to me is that he was trying to figure out what he wanted to say. Mm. Okay? And it, you know, people who are in the limelight and get interviewed all the time are used to being interviewed and so they're very aware of what they say okay Mm -hmm. sometimes you can catch someone in the heat of the moment like right after a game and maybe they'll say something that they regret but typically a head coach, a high profile quarterback, uh, someone who gets interviewed every single day, multiple times in many cases, um, they are aware of what they want to say. And so when he when he told me that, hey, I had to think about what I really wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And I felt like I had to say it because if I didn't, I would I would feel worse about it by not speaking out. That spoke volumes um, in, t- in terms of. Um, him wanting to to get a certain message across that you know hopefully um will make a difference. On, on another level, Rachel, remember a couple weeks ago uh, one of the Baltimore Ravens players was 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 uh, killed in a traffic accident, and not by gunfire, but just by riding a motorbike, but you know John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach kind of had a, a similar um you know, verve that he wanted to express right. for that situation. But it was more for his team and more for young men who, you know, need to be responsible mm-hmm. because, you know, his player, Trey Walker, didn't didn't be wear a helmet. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that sort of thing. But it, it, it's there's still a connection in terms of people being in leadership positions like coaches are and people looking to the coach to speak that i think that's kind of part of their responsibility and it's good that they get it to that point in both of these situations where there are tragedies that that transcend football obviously but um you know sean Payton has always struck me as a You know, upfront guy. And like I said, he can be emotional, but I I, I know he's also in control of his message and what he wants to say.
0: Sure. You touched on this before, and he seemed to really draw attention to some of the larger issues in New Orleans. He told you our city is broken. That certainly echoes comments from, I think, Drew Brees, the quarterback from the Saints, said something similar. Uh, Tyron Matthew, who plays for the Cardinals but grew up in New Orleans, has been uh, tweeting about this and, and making similar comments. So what are these kind of societal issues that he expressed to you or what frustrations does he have about the direction that city is heading?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that I could really kind of, you know, wrap my hands around from that part of the conversation was the, the part that he talked about the New Orleans Police Department being um, uh, undermanned, you know, and underfunded because of, you know, cutbacks and corruption and, and an overhaul. And, you know, that was the, the thing that really kind of, you know, illustrated it for him in terms of how some of these things could happen now he did not and and he he did he did allow he says hey i don't know everything about all of the details but that's something that has been a lot of conversation about here locally so he did kind of couch it to that degree but obviously he's there he knows the pulse of the city um and if it's been an ongoing story um that's his perspective and there's you know something to it one way or another. Um, so I think that was the, the the main gist of what he said. But he also talked about the fact that, you know, sometimes um, violence in certain parts of the cities, when you're talking about, you know, lower income areas, don't get the attention. And then this situation happened in the Garden District, which is an affluent part of town that it just would, would create more attention just because of the circumstances. And then you talk about a high-profile player, so it's sure. sad that someone – you know has to lose their life for someone to take a stand but sometimes you know and that's the thing you can you can kind of criticize him if you wanted to or criticize someone like him speaking out when tragedy hits close to home why didn't they speak out earlier on this and that but sometimes there just has to be an impetus for people to express themselves and the the idea i got from him was that hey i've been thinking about a lot of this for a long time in a lot of different ways over the years and then this kind of drove him to the point where he felt like hey i need to say something
0: how you, you kind of touched on this earlier about just coaches don't uh, generally speak up uh, players i think sometimes they're a little bit more willing how do sean payton's comments compare to what we've seen from Saints players or other players around the NFL, it seems like he's taken a much stronger stance than the the general response that we've seen to Will Smith's death.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when something like this happens, you know, everyone is in shock and, and Sean Payton, no exception um, to that. He told me, he says, I'm still numb. Okay. And um, just trying to, to process it. I think, Given a little bit more time, I mean, he sent out a, a tweet early on Sunday morning expressing condolences for the family, and then we've seen a lot of tweets. Drew Brees did an interview with Peter King of Monday Morning Quarterback that you know had a lot of depth to it as well. And, and as you mentioned, it kind of touched on some of the, the issues that are going on in, in New Orleans. Um, but most of the – and then Tyron Matthew, um, a New Orleans resident – um has said some things and tweeted some things and so i think the the, the spirit is there but but you know everybody kind of comes from different um perspectives, or world views and diff- you know people have different levels of experience, maturity, insight sure. whatever. And and some people are more comfortable to to speaking on certain issues more than others. That doesn't mean that the that a younger player that his views are not valid at all because they are but like I said a person like Sean Payton who's the coach who people look up to to speak that really cares and people look up to Drew Brees too and people look up to Tyron Matthew but you know Sean Payton is like the head of the football operations I know Mickey Loomis is a general manager of the Saints and Tom Benson is the owner but when you think about who really kind of runs the show with the new Orleans saints. It is Sean Payton. And before he talked to me, he had not talked to anyone in the media. And I don't know if he has since then, but I know when he talked to me, he said that, um, he just wanted to, to express himself and he wasn't going to talk to a lot of people about it. And like I said, when he talked to me, I was the, the only one that he had talked to. And so besides that tweet, um, that, that was it for you know public uh, a public comment about it.
0: Yeah, he he told you and you had this in your story. You know, if this opinion in Louisiana is super super unpopular, th- then so be it. What what ex- response does he expect, or do you expect for him to to comments as strong as he made?
1: That, that's a great question because I think that in New Orleans they love the Saints, and I think in, in that area people are going to. Um, Listen to him. Does that affect change? I don't know. But hopefully it does. Hopefully it, it, um, you know, kind of generates some type of momentum. Um, Now it's a reference point. You know how he stands on it. Maybe others will come forward if they have similar views. So I think there's the prospect of that. In terms of the the backlash, I, I think he realizes that. That could be there. I mean, we know this is a hot button political issue and and it has been for a lot longer than Sean Payton's been a coach of the New Orleans Saints. We know that for sure. And it's mm-hmm. on Capitol Hill and it's the, the major lobbyists and the politicians. So um, he is fully aware of, of that. But. Sean Payton, if he's nothing, he is a guy who has extreme guts. And you can go back to that Super Bowl victory a a, Mm -hmm. a few years ago when he called for an onside kick to start the second half. I mean, so this guy has extreme confidence in himself. And you kind of need that to be a good leader. And sometimes what you say is not going to be popular. But if you are honest with yourself and you have conviction about what you're talking about, I think generally people will at least accept that you're shooting straight for what you feel. Now, whether they agree with you or not, that's a different story. But um, I I think he felt that he was a, a person who needed to speak out on this, no doubt.
0: Well, excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Jarrett. Okay. That's it for this episode of Extra Point. We've got much more to come, so we hope you'll tune in, subscribe, and rate us. Thanks for
1: listening.